here to uh, offer you a uh, Chicago-style deep dish pizza throwdown. What do you think? There's a reason Chicago is famous for its deep dish pizza. Lou Malnati's, the oldest family name of Chicago pizza. And in over 40 years, they've served millions and millions of deep dish pies. Lou Malnati's is hands down the best deep dish in town. The Windy City invented deep dish pizza. And if you want to know how to get the best, you go to those who do it most. And that's the Malnati family, who for three generations have made, without exaggeration, millions and millions of deep dish delights. Two things my dad hung on to. Make the best pizza in town and hire great people. After spending two decades working for Ike Sewell at Pizzeria Uno, Lou Malnati opened his namesake restaurant in 1971. Lou Malnati was one of the main characters responsible for building Chicago pizza into what it has become today. No listing of favorite local places would be complete without one mention of deep dish pizza, Chicago creation. I love the pizza at Lou Malnati's with locations throughout the city and suburbs. The food is pure Chicago. Hey, easy brother, I got precious cargo here. Uncle Carl, that's just a slice of pizza. Malnati pizza. Malnati being Italian for deep dish heaven. Something in their sauce sets it apart from the rest. Let's put this thing to bed. Who makes the best deep dish pizza in Chicago? We're going to decide that today. The winner by only four votes is Lou Malnati. of Lou Malnati's Pizzeria in Chicago. Come on out, Mark. This is, this is very nice. Come and sit. All right. Come and sit. This is, this is for Chicago. I have great friends there. It's a beautiful city. Go ahead. Now, I'll tell you what. I dare you to tell me that that isn't the best thing you've ever had in your life. Now, I don't know what that big, fat casserole Let me say this. Let me say this. the other day was. Let me say this. What? Very tasty. <laughs> Hey, everybody, would you give a warm welcome to Mark Malnati? Thank you, Pastor. Thank you, Pastor. <laughs> this, is, this is a real special treat for me. Uh, due to my love for his pizza, Mark is a celebrity and hero, and to be here with him is just awesome. Uh, you've actually contributed to illustrations of my sermons without you being aware of it. I love so thank that. you. Thank you. And thank you for making the world a better place through your pizza. <laughs> I'm getting a lot of credit for things I don't deserve. Oh, you do. I'm so grateful. Folks, I think you're aware that we're starting a brand new series called Thank God It's Monday, when the vision of God for work is realized, we don't dread or hate our work. We view it as a, as a privilege, a God-given assignment. And eventually we want to say, thank God, it's Monday. And uh, we thought it would be fun to launch in a special way, rather than me just you know, going off at the mouth like I normally do the whole time. We thought it would be fun to bring in a Christian businessman who can 
Help us understand what it's like to wrestle with, how do I follow Jesus at work? And my brother-in-law was in Mark's small group uh, back at Soul City Church where Jarrett Stevens is the pastor. Jarrett's come and preached at the Compass Church a number of times. And so my brother-in-law helped me reach out to Mark, and uh, Mark very generously said that he'd love to come and bless us with some time. So thanks again. Thank you. Yeah. Wanted to share just a little story. Mark and I got together at uh, one of his restaurants for lunch to kind of talk about our time together here. And I confessed something to him. I said, Mark, I have to tell you, I have a 17-year-old daughter named Jora. And we're kind of a divided family because she loves Giordano's pizza. (laughs) Mark's face, he's very competitive, mind you. and His face goes white. And he's like, tell me it isn't so. What did you do then? Well, I think I told you that there was probably a reflection of bad parenting. Yes, you did. (laughs) The funny thing, though, was that I said, you know, call her. Call her right now. Let let me get on the phone with her. And so you called her, and I took the phone. And when she answered, she goes, hello? And I could tell she was in the middle of something. Well called school yeah (laughs) and she only answered because her dad was calling and and, uh, I kind of read her the riot act and gave her a hard time and I think she was like incredulous why would this guy call me (laughs) but uh, hopefully she was converted after that conversation (laughs) keep praying It's kind of funny. Jor got in trouble. Uh, you know, she's in the back of class, thought it was an emergency because it said dad on her phone. So she answers, and uh, when she was done, the teacher had seen her and said, Jora, who were you on the phone with? <laughs> she said, um, Mark Malnati <laughs> from Lou Malnati's Pizza. <laughs> he won't stop calling me. <laughs> <laughs> And what's funny is that uh, the teacher said, why, why would Mark Malnati call you, Jora? And she said, he rebuked me for liking Giordano's. <laughs> and, and so Jora didn't get in trouble for speaking on the phone. She got in trouble for her pizza choice. The, the teacher said, of course Lou is better. It's a good thing Mark let you have it. You know? <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> Well, Mark, let's, uh, let's dive into a, a little analysis of your journey, if we can. You know, I find it fascinating. This, this feels like analysis right here. Does it? Okay. Yeah. Well, I should be laying Lying down. Laying over flat. Get comfortable. So we, uh, you have such an interesting story as around the same time in life, you became a Christian, and you became the leader of Lou Malnati's. Let's start with the Christian part. How was it that you found Jesus? Hmm. I was uh, a senior in college at uh, Indiana University. Most people refer to that as the Harvard of the Midwest. <laughs> oh, they do. Um, <laughs> and that's what I told my parents, and they bought it. Um, and I was... Uh, I, I was not a real attentive student. I had other priorities. I was excellent socially, uh, and my racquetball game was good. Mm -hmm. And so I'd spend a lot of the afternoons, um, uh, after I had slept in most of the morning, I'd play racquetball. And 
And so I was, I remember it like it was yesterday. I was heading downtown to get this racket restrung so that, you know, I'd become even better. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and a, a little voice went off in my head saying, you know, a week ago, Mark, remember that guy came over to your fraternity house and talked to you about, you know, things that were maybe a little more important than racquetball. And you told him you would you'd meet him today, right now. And what had happened was uh, the leader of Campus Crusade at Indiana had uh, visited me that prior week and, and I was the leader of our house. I don't know why I was the leader of our house, but I was. And, um, and uh, he said, you know, have you ever really looked into you know, the part God plays in your life? I mean, what, what's your worldview? You know, wh- why are you here? Why were you created? And asking me all kinds of questions I had never spent five seconds thinking about. Because yeah. I, I think I had been to church five times in my life uh, at that point. And, and after, you know, we talked for a little while. He was a pretty engaging guy. And I think just to get him to get out of there, I said, okay, I'll meet you Wednesday at 2.30 at yeah. the teak house or something and uh and so i'm driving to go get my racquetball restrung and the voice just doesn't stop i'm you know and and i guess about the third time i'm i'm convicted and i turn my car around and and i go over to the meeting and and i meet some guys who are pretty good guys and who are a little further down the road than me and and in the next few weeks uh you know i i became a christian isn't that great? Yeah. And so, hey, we'll celebrate that. And so, Mark, when you graduated from college, you were a brand new Christian and found your way to a church. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. Well, you know, the, the, the road was a little lumpier than, than that. It didn't, you know, I mean, I, God had a lot of work to do in me and in my heart. I, um, I mean, I had... I had made a, a commitment, but I still didn't understand what that meant. Right. You know, I was at a. My dad had, my dad um, got cancer, uh, came down with cancer my freshman year, went into remission, and it wasn't you know it was late in my senior year that uh, it came on again, yeah. and he would die just uh, a few months after I graduated, and you know I but I was a kind of a. Uh, I kind of had a lumpy existence at school. I mean, there was a time when I was um, like selling drugs. Um, I was entrepreneurial, but I um, uh, and I, you know, I I had God had a lot of work to do. Let's just put it that way. So, um, this friend of mine who had led me to Christ uh, said, "There's a church near your home." I I looked it up, and and uh, I know some people there. Why don't, you, why don't you try it out? And so I went to a church called Winnetka Bible Church, which is a kind of a dyed-in-the-wool, um, you know, Norwegian-Swedish church uh, up on the North Shore. And the pastor there, a guy named David Godis, was about my dad's age. And, you know, my dad had passed at this point, and, and he kind of took me under his wing, you know, and he'd take me out and play golf with me. And, and uh, a group of other, you know, kind of, older guys just uh, acted like dads to me and uh, it really helped me. Really. 
you see the power of the local church, you know, where, where would Mark's life have gone if it wasn't for those guys from Winnetka Bible coming around you and teaching you the ways of Jesus? Probably wouldn't have ended up the same way. Yeah, no way. And it's just a, a reminder to us, you know, we've got young people and young believers all the time, and we need to be throwing our arms around them and loving them and uh, walking through life with them, golfing with them, and, you know, guiding them in the ways of Jesus. So imagine this with me. So here Mark is, this, this young man, uh, also newly married at that point. Yeah, Judy and I got married, yeah, and right after, not, not pretty, long Pretty after. quick, not much of a courtship there. Not, not much. How long was it? Six months. <laughs> you got to snag her quickly, huh? Well, yeah, I thought, I thought that I sh- if I left her on the market very long, <laughs> I'd be trouble. Here's a young man. He's newly married. He's also just made a commitment to Jesus. His father has just passed away, and so he's thrust into this leadership role at the company his dad founded. And now he's got to figure out what does it mean to be in business and a follower of Jesus? And that's a tough, tough question. I, I want to read a verse real quick. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. Jesus said this, teaching in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, nobody can serve two masters. No one can serve both money and God. And, and Mark was soon going to feel this tension of what does it mean when money's your master? When, when money's your master, it's everything, every decision must be based on what maximizes profit. How can I get more money? And if you let money be your master, God will not be your master. And sometimes God calls you when he's master to do things that aren't necessarily, at first at least, seeming to be profitable. One of those examples is with your marriage. Marriage didn't start off real well. Can you tell us about that? <laughs> well, you have to understand that, that uh, my dad had kind of, you know, shepherded me in the way of, you know, how do you lead a restaurant? And so um, his idea was you have to be there on the, on the, at the times when you're really busy, right? It makes sense. It does. Well, in the pizzeria business, we're busy at night mostly. You know, if people eat too much pizza during the day, they go into a coma. And <laughs> so most of our business is done at night. And, and, uh, and so he said, you know, you've got to be there on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, fr- definitely Saturday and Sunday. So you've got to work those nights and, and be there till, till the end. And, and then on Monday, you've got to come in and make sure everything starts well for the week. And so I was off on Tuesday. And... And so, you know, getting involved in a, in a marriage uh, with a, my wife who, who not only had a day job, uh, and I got, so I got to see her Tuesday night and then for a couple hours on Saturday and Sunday before I went to work. Um, she was also a woman who came from a, a small town and who had a dad who worked eight to four, four days a week. And was home by 4.05 at the kitchen table. And this was, you know, I mean, this was quite a departure from what she had grown up. And she marries me. I mean, and that's why I think the courtship was short. Because I figured if she figured it out (laughs) that I was never going to be around, she was out of there. 
Well, anyway, during the first year, she wanted to be out of there. Yeah. And there was, you know, I remember several arguments where she just said, you know, I should have never got in. I should have never married you. You know, we should just get divorced before anything. You know, and she didn't say it quite so softly. Yeah. Um, and, <laughs> and after, I don't know, maybe a year, year and a half, I, I finally said, okay, um, I know my dad said I needed to be here at these hours, but I'm going to make a shift. And Jeannie, I'm, I commit to you. You know, our life's going to change. And, and, and so I hired someone to, to manage the evenings, and, and I started working more during the day. And I was sure that things were going to just kind of <laughs> tank yeah. at, that, at that point. Yeah. And yeah, it actually turned out to be a good move. It did, because... You know, working during the day and, and, you know, it gave me more time to kind of look at what, you know, kind of the big picture and what Malnati's really wanted to be. And we had a great product and we were building a company and, and so I was able to kind of see different opportunities for, for, for Malnati's and, and we wound up growing quite a bit. I would have never been doing all that if I had stayed working nights. Right. Don't you see the wisdom of God? I love this. You know, in this moment where Mark's panicking, his marriage is falling apart, and money is saying you've got to be there to manage in the busy hours, and the Lord is saying, no, do something unprecedented. Delegate that to somebody else. He courageously followed God, rescued his marriage, and ended up emphasizing an element of leadership that helped him grow from four restaurants to 44. And that's just like God to say, see, you trusted me, and now I'm going to bless you. And you're, you've been married now for? 36 years. 36 years. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the other elements of Mark's story that I just found fascinating is his passion for the relational health at his company. Uh, Lou Malnati says, how many employees? About 3,100 full and part-time. Yeah, 3,100 employees. That's a massive group. And in most cases at work, people say, I hate my coworkers, can't stand them, and assume that it's always going to be that way. Mark (laughs) understands that God's got a higher vision for relational health. And so could you share kind of how that vision came about? Well, it came about, again, through hardship. You know, as we were growing and we had, I don't know, five or six doors, um, there was a kind of a, an element of, of our staff that had been there since the start, since the beginning. And my dad had hired them, and, and um, you, know, they were, you know, they were the foundation. And, and, and as we grew, we needed more people, and I was hiring people that were generally younger and uh, and sometimes they had more responsibility and you know uh, higher you know bigger titles than the people who had been there since the beginning and yeah. and just that you know the age gap the generation thing and um, and answering to someone who had only been around for twenty minutes when you had been around for years yeah. uh, and it just kind of I mean it irks people it, yeah. it you have to talk it through right and so there was a there was a a bang going on in our company and. You know, if, if people start talking about one another, if, there's, if gossip becomes prevalent in a company, it just spreads like cancer. Yeah. And I knew we couldn't have that. And so, you know, since the, the first year of our marriage when Jeannie had just dragged me into counseling uh, and had helped me kind of learn some of the, 
life lessons and tools that I needed to, to you know, resolve conflict that we had in our marriage and, and to, you know, understand what feelings were. You know, I was one of those guys that, you know... Didn't get it. Not only did... I was so far from not getting it. There was a, there's a step below not getting it, yeah. isn't there? Um, so I, you know, I started learning to communicate and to, um, you know, to share what was really going on inside of me. And, and, and these lessons that I had learned, I knew that our crew at Malnati's needed. Yeah. I, I knew we needed the tools. And so... So in the mid-'80s, I brought a friend of mine, Rich Blue, who was a Christian counselor, and, you know, and I said, you need to be a business coach too here because we need help, and, yeah. and you can help us. And, and so we gathered the top 10 or 12 people from our company. We, got, we rented out a room at the old Purple Hyatt House in Lincolnwood, and, and we you know, had them bring in Coke and cookies, and we sat down for four hours to meet and to, to learn some of these some of these tools and how'd it go well you know the first 15 minutes everybody was kind of nicey nicey and you know looking around and then whew, <laughs> all hell breaks loose yeah. and people start pointing fingers and you know and saying well i got you know i have some feelings toward you and you know and so all of a sudden they you know and we go on for four hours and and you know by the end it's moving pretty good but there's still a lot of things we still have to talk about yeah. So we said, okay, well, let's do it again. Let's do it at one, you know, a month from now, same hotel, same bad cookies and Coke. And, and we, we get together, and, and right from the start, I mean, people are, back you know, they're back at it, and, and we're working through our stuff, and they're learning all this, you know, how to be angry and how to, you know, how to share. And, and you know, and people are crying. And, and uh, well... You never guessed that at the end we really hadn't resolved all the things that we had built up over yeah. time. And so, so we do it again, and, and then we did it again. And, and eight years later, um, <laughs> we had enough leaders that we needed two groups. And so then when two groups were meeting every month. And, and after a while, that became... You know more and more. There's 18 groups at Malnati's right now that are working on you know on keeping relationships clean. Mm. We have kind of this relational business model. We just believe that if we're talking to one another and and you know investing in one another with our feedback and with our you know I mean we're we're loving one another in this yeah. process, but we're we can be tough on on one another too. And um, the business issues kind of work their way out if the relations, relationships are clean. Yeah. There are 18 small groups in the first church of Lou Malnati's. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> you know, to, to think that these 18 groups get together once a month to look each other in the eye and to hash it out, that is creating a unique culture at, at Mark's Place. I've had the privilege of talking to one of his managers when we were f- filming that promo and I asked him about these monthly group meetings, and he, he was just, he lit up. He goes, it's awesome. He said, I've never worked somewhere where we valued community and getting along like this. And it's, it's not easy work, but it's beautiful work. It reminds me of what Jesus said, again, in the Sermon on the Mount. This is Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. In the Beatitudes, Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. For they will be called sons and daughters of God. 
Mark is a, he's a pizza maker and a peacemaker. And a peacemaker is, is one who fights for relational harmony. One who says, I'm not going to turn my back and just walk away from this. No, we've got to work at it. God says, that's my heart. In fact, when it says that blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons and daughters of God, what does that mean? They will be chips off the old block. They will be like their father. And our father is a peacemaker. God is passionate about relational harmony, whether it be at church or whether it be at work. You know, God is relationship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit existing in community. And he made us in his image. And he says we are to be peacemakers who reflect his image, fighting for relational harmony. Maybe you've been given a little authority like Mark has, where you can pull people together and say, hey, this meeting is all about us. How are we doing? I want to hash it out. Let's, let's be honest with each other. You say, that would be terrifying. Yeah, it may be a little ugly at first, but the results honor God and actually are good business. Maybe you don't have authority uh, as far as leadership, but you can still be a peacemaker. You can feel the awkwardness that you have towards someone or it seems that someone's upset with you. Sit them down and just say, hey, how are we doing? Did I offend you in what I said? Peacemaking is a calling for all Christ followers because it's what God's passionate about. So nice. one, one more thing I, I want you to share with them, Mark. I, you know, as you've been striving to follow God at work, I'm uh, mindful of another decision you made that violated wise business practice. You know, they say in the restaurant business that the most important thing is location, location, location. And you made a location decision that's very curious. Can you tell us about that? Yes. Um, it was, I don't know, I guess middle, late 90s, and a, a pastor named Wayne Gordon, that some affectionately refer to as coach, yeah. uh, approached my brother and I and, and asked if we'd come and visit him down in, uh, at his church in North Lawndale because he had a site that he thought we should look at. And we Tell went, us about Lawndale. Lawndale, North Lawndale, um, you know, beautiful spirit in the community, but it is one of the, it is one of the most under-resourced neighborhoods in all of Chicago, and it's a it's a neighborhood that, that was really struggling to recover since, uh, you know, the '60s when the Democratic during the Democratic convention, um, vandals kind of took to the streets and burned down all the businesses and. Um, and you know it was it was that kind of a an area yeah. when we first visited and uh, coach said, "You know this would be great for one of your restaurants and and I looked around and I said, "Coach, this would be brutal for one of our <laughs> restaurants i mean i don't i 'm not sure what you see here, but you know there's no parking um, people don't have any money yeah. i how are how is this all going to going to work out? He goes, I've got a spot that we're going to walk through. The villa, the uh, city of Chicago just sold me this spot for a buck. Mm. <laughs> sold them for a buck, mm. and we walked through this old little grocery store, and there was garbage piled up, like you know, up mm. to your knees. And and he said, you know, this will be great. And I, you know, I, I can already see it. And I I said, I I'm not sure why you can see it, and I can't. But um, 
anyway, he said, you know, we'll pay, the, we'll pay the utility bills and you don't have to pay rent and, you know, we'll help you get started here because, Mark, you've got nine restaurants now and this could be your tent. And I said, well, sure, it could be my tent and my tent could be in Naperville too. <laughs> and uh, he said, you know, there's, there's a principle in the Old Testament called tithing. And I started listening to him, and, I, and he said, you know, what if you gave your 10th restaurant back to this community in the place where it dearly needs it? And so he plays the God card. <laughs> and right there, right there. We're hooked. And, and, you know, so we... We opened a restaurant in North Lawndale. And we explain, said, explain why having a sit-down restaurant was so important to that community. Yeah. Well, there wasn't anything like it. There, there were no places to you know, celebrate a birthday or to have a business meeting. And you know, the, the two or three restaurants they had were kind of reached through the bars to get your chicken <laughs> yeah. restaurants. And yeah. so... Uh, you know, I was nervous that we'd have all kinds of turmoil there. There'd be robberies and everything. And, you know, in the first 10 years we were open, we had three, we had two robberies in our, in our company and, uh, and one other big vandal, you know, vandalization thing. None of them were in Lawndale. They were in the suburbs. Is that right? Yeah. Um, you know, and somehow God protected that place and, and uh, got us off to a start there that, you know, where people in the community really kind of held on to it as if it was their own. Cool. You know, they just took ownership yeah. and didn't let anything happen to it. And, you know, it, it's been a great place. It just, we said we would donate our profits back into the community and, and you know, support kids' recreational and educational programs. Well, it took us, I think, 13 years, 13 years before we broke even. Yeah. In all those years, we'd be reinvesting. And I, you know, and I came to coach on multiple occasions and said, you know, how about just letting me write a check and we'll close this place down? And he said, Mark, you have no idea what this means to our community. I mean, it's a, it's a lighthouse and, you know, and I think other businesses are going to come and people love it here. Can't you feel the spirit? And I said, coach, we're losing money. He said, you know, people are, are getting jobs. And, you know, there's a, there's a guy who works here. He, he didn't have a job for 35 years. He was on the street the whole time and he's learning responsibility and he's learning what it means to get a paycheck and how, how proud you can be when... You know, you're doing it on your own and you're doing it legally instead of, you know, being out on the street. And, and so we held in there, you yeah, know, and, and now we're making a little bit of money. And, yeah. and giving it back to the community. Giving it back. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. You know, that, that's all about. Yeah. Well, you know, the thing about it was that God was faithful all the way through it. And, and even as Lawndale lost money, our company was growing. God was just growing in and blessing us. And, and you know, we, we didn't have another store and never have had another store that has, you know, lost money. Yeah. You know, when you, when you think of the, the Lawndale store, uh, again, the critic would say, that was a terrible business move. Losing money for over a decade, and now when you're finally making money, you're giving it all back to the community. You know, it's not all about maximizing your income, is it? Uh, again, Jesus taught, this time Matthew 6.20, Jesus said, you know what you should do? Store up for yourself treasure in heaven where 
moth and rust can't destroy where thieves can't steal. And when we look at your Lawndale restaurant, Mark, it may not be bringing up treasure on earth, but it is storing up treasure in heaven. And someday uh, you're going to see God smile and hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Hey, can we thank Mark one more time for coming? Folks, can I ask, would you all stand with us? We'd like to close our service in prayer. I'm going to pray for Mark and ask for God's continued blessing on his life. And then I'm going to ask Mark if he would pray for all of you, because you're striving to follow Jesus, and we as a church want to honor him in our workplace too, and we need the Lord's Prayer. So, God, we just praise you that you can do a miracle like the one you've done in our friend Mark. Lord, you pulled him out of a pretty messed up life and showed him the way of Jesus, helped him find forgiveness and a new start. And you've taught him your ways, God, and he's striving to Live your ways at work, and it's inspiring to us. Thank you for giving us this opportunity to hear his story and try to be inspired to do likewise. God, Mark would be the first to admit he's not done. He's not fully cooked. (laughs) Would you keep working in his soul? Would you keep making him more and more like Jesus? Would you keep blessing his company and make him shine like a light in his community? We thank you, God, for this man, and we're excited to see what you continue to do in and through him. I pray this in Jesus' name. Hmm. And God, I just thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning, and uh, I thank you for, for Jeff and for the whole crew here at Compass, and, and I just thanks for the opportunity to, to have you use me in some small way, God. And I, uh, I've loved doing this and sharing my life and even though I was scared to say I sold drugs and I'm glad my mom wasn't here um, uh, God thank you for blessing us at Malnati's and thank you for this community that has surrounded our business and and supported it And, and I even pray for those who go to Giordano's once in a while uh, for they know not their Uh, Thank you, God. Thank you so much this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thanks, guys.